Good morning. It's good to uh, see you all here. May we experience the presence of God. May we find joy in our corporate worship of our Creator and Savior. May you take something away from our time together that strengthens your life. I want to welcome uh, you and uh, Ron Braun. Um, who's going to be bringing the message today in Pastor Luke's absence. Um, Ron grew up here looking at the same uh, ceiling tiles that uh, we see today. And uh, now he's the uh, Director of de Development at uh, Tabor College. So thanks for being here. I, did you, were you, uh, do you remember, remember the count on the, the little ones and the big ones? Okay. Um, welcome to all of you, and uh, especially I see uh, Bridget's back home. Thank you for coming back, and thanks to God for his, uh, his care for you. Um, so there's, there are a number of things in the bulletin for you to look at. Ladies' uh, movie night, Friday, MCC. Um, Insert, Backpack Needs, Tabor Spirit Night that's coming up. Um, let's just um, turn our thoughts to God now as we enter this time of worship. Lord, we come to you to lift our hearts to you. As we sing or listen, let us adore you. So with our hearts and voices, let's praise God together this morning. Let's feel free in our worship. It's God that we are, we are God's audience. So please stand with us and join us, but feel free to sit down at any time.
you died but you rose again so we praise your great name so it's your name that we put our hope and our faith
We come to a time of prayer and meditation this morning. During this time, I will mention a thought and give you some time to personally reflect on on that idea. God, you know us intimately, and we come to think and to listen to your spirit in, in us today. Thank you for your love and your blessings. Sometimes the blessing of your voice comes disguised as frustrated plans, disappointments, conflict, and uncertainty. We give those to you, asking for you to lead and to give and to forgive our unbelief. Thank you for our church across the world and right here where we are today. We would be thrown here and there without this community of faith. Thank you for Pastor Luke. Bless him this week as he, um, as he receives training and inspiration. We also ask a special blessing on the uh, full-time uh, church workers that we support. Jennifer Goosen prays you for for the for the two um, new believers that she is uh, mentoring. For the Raugus and the Millers in Europe, with um, um, with uh, many immigrants in in those communities from uh, from the Middle East and from North Africa. And uh, just give them uh, real wisdom to show your, um, your truth it, um, to them and also to the community that uh, surrounds them. Pray also for the Quarians in uh, Utah. Um, give them insight about how to speak to a, to a community that in one way has things altogether, but in other ways, just um, is um, um, missing some of the truth of your love. So we come to you with our thanksgiving for how you've worked among us for uh, healing for um, Bridget and, and others that we um, may not be aware of. For um, uh, relationships that that are are being restored, we continue to pray for those things to happen among us and with the people that we um, associate with, that we live our lives with. Now, as we continue to worship you with our offerings, we um, pray that you will bless our gifts and um, just multiply. It in the in the work of your kingdom, Amen. Would you join us this morning as we sing the hymn, "My Jesus, I Love Thee."
I was asked to read scripture, and I'm reading from my Bible um, Gateway app off of my phone, and I have a backup just in case. Um, Mark 10, uh, verses 35 to 45, and this is the request of James and John. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thank you, Pat, for reading that. I want to thank the worship team for leading us in songs that shared with us the greatest name that we can worship, the name of Jesus. And so this morning we are going to look at what it means to be who is the greatest, and uh, we'll see if we answer that question or not. It's so good to be with you here this morning. On behalf of Tabor College, President Glanzer, our faculty and staff, our student body, we say thank you very much for having me here this morning to share with you. There are a lot of exciting things happening on campus. I want to share just a couple of those with you. Second semester is underway. We're excited about that. We had some new transfer students. Unfortunately, we had a few who also decided that second semester wasn't in their cards. And, uh, but we're excited that second semester is underway. The choir is getting ready for their spring tour. They're going to Oklahoma in March. And uh, we look forward to their ministry at that time in about 10 different uh, locations. Our athletic teams are excelling. And first of all, they're excelling in the classroom. Uh, Eleven of our teams, as it was announced the other night at a large uh, gathering of the student body, the athletes in particular, to listen to U.S. Olympic champion, three-time Olympic champion, uh, Leah Amico, who played uh, softball back in uh, the late 1990s and early 2000s. She addressed the crowd, and it was announced at that time that 11 of our athletic teams have a cumulative team GPA of 3.1 or higher, all the way up to almost 3.7. That's not just one or two players on the team. That is everybody on the team, including the JVs, the red shirts, and everybody else. And so we're very pleased with their progress in the classroom, as well as in their courts or on the fields they participate. Our athletic teams are also excelling on the fields or in the courts. 
Our baseball team began their season this weekend, and they are already 4-0 after playing uh, several schools in the Dallas, Texas area. They uh, have high expectations. They are a preseason number four ranked team in the country. We also have um, our teams that, that participated at the indoor conference championships at Pittsburgh State yesterday, and Dot was there. Her son Daniel participated, and she tells me that Daniel received a second-place award in the uh, weight throw and fourth place in the shot put, and we don't know team results, and I can't give you any more results than that, but I appreciate hearing of those successes. I was at McPherson, Kansas last night, and our basketball teams continue to uh, move right along. Our women became, um, they clinched the conference championship on Thursday night. They are currently 16-0 in the KCAC conference, and we do seriously invite you all down for spirit night next Saturday night. Uh, we trust that you might have a chance to take in that game. Our women are ranked uh, 14th in the country, and uh, they have already, as I said, clinched their uh, ticket to the national tournament in Sioux City, Iowa, beginning March 9 and 10. So we look forward to that. But not to be outdone, our men's team reached 23-3 and last night and 16-0 and in the conference by beating McPherson. And uh, we anticipate that they'll be playing national tournament ball in Branson, Missouri, also uh, March 9-12. to So I trust that Spirit Night is something that you'll be able to take in you can't beat this. Once you get there, it's free. So come on down. The last game of the regular season in two weeks on Saturday night, the 20th, is the game against Bethel College. We have four tough games to end the season. I don't know when a KCAC team was last uh, undefeated going into the last uh, two weeks of the conference, but we certainly uh, are proud of our players and the testimonies they give. We also continue raising support at Tabor for the annual fund, for our Tabor fund, as well as for the signature campaign, which we are planning to have uh, as a, a centerpiece of that, the new Center for the Arts. We've raised $16.3 million already, but before the board meets in two weeks, we'd like to raise another $1.1 million in order for the board to put their signatures on the papers that allow us to move that building project forward. So. We thank you for your support that has already been given. We thank you for your prayers. We thank you for the students that come to Tabor College from this church and this community. As I said, in two weeks, our board of directors will meet, and we look forward to what it is that they might be uh, able to make uh, significant decisions of, including uh, initial look at our, at our budget and our fundraising progress. I want to publicly acknowledge Lisa Croker from this congregation, who is the newest member on the Tabor Board of Directors, and she should be at those meetings in two weeks. Uh, and I also want to thank Loretta Jost for her years of service, many years of service on the Tabor College Board. It's always good to be back in this church that holds a lot of great memories for me. Uh, I know it wasn't long, but I, I remember singing in the, in the pews of the choir loft. Uh, many years ago, this stage where a lot of Christmas dramas were acted out, those front pews where we would sit and we would listen to children's stories or maybe sometimes here on the floor. This, this stage, by the way, is all different than what it used to be. And, uh, but we would sit up here in the front. I remember CE, and I'll never forget those uh, black light or those artistic stories that... Um, um, Janice Jost would do up here on the stage. That was just always incredible for me to remember. And then the back rooms where we often got taken to when we misbehaved in church. Those haven't changed much. I went back there and I found one of the nooks and crannies that we crawled into um, as well. And I thought I was the only one that counted ceiling tiles, but John must have made a confession this morning because... He knew quite a bit about them, but sometimes we uh, adjusted to counting the tiles when the sermon was too long. And I know that the clock is ticking. I know what the limits are. And then, and then I know these pews as a fond memory for all the friends who sat there uh, at my dad's funeral. Today is a big day. It's Super Bowl 50 Sunday, if that means something to some of you. 
the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers are going to be duking it out on the field. There are three guys that are part of a club that have been to all 50 Super Bowls. Their first tickets were $12 or less. Now the average ticket is $4,800. So it's gone up in price significantly. I figured out on my phone yesterday that 75,000 tickets at that price means there's about $350 million in gate receipts uh, for that uh, game this afternoon. Do you remember, as we talk about the greatest, do you remember the greatest Super Bowl that you've ever watched? Do you remember any of the Super Bowls you've ever watched? Who is the greatest NFL quarterback? Well, this past week was also great for another reason, or at least big in the news, the Iowa caucus. We don't know who the next president will be, but we know they're going to spend an awful lot of money trying to figure it out. Who do you think is the greatest president that we have ever had? And I would expect that to be prior to your lifetimes, but I don't know. I always get anxious when I see my wife cleaning out closets. And a week ago, I was terrified. This happens periodically, and she doesn't like me to, to witness it. But she was in the garage, and all of a sudden, I see her carrying a stack of magazines, and she was headed to the recycle bin. And of course, those magazines were most likely mine. Those were my mementos featuring front-page articles and whole editions on the Nebraska Cornhusker football team from the mid-1990s. I know, I still hang on to some of those kinds of things. I wish I'd have hung on to all of my baseball cards from the 1950s and 60s. Well, now, some will argue that Alabama is, is a dynasty today, and they're the greatest team. But there's no debate that the greatest team was the Huskers in the mid-'90s when they won three and almost four national titles in a row. Who's the greatest Husker? Who is the greatest coach? Who is the greatest six-foot, ten-inch center from this church to have a full ride to the University of Nebraska and then transfer to Tabor College for a $250 scholarship? That's right, Leroy Dick. And he still holds many of the records um, that uh, are on our charts even 50 years later. Leroy, were you 6'10"? Okay, well... You were, you were larger than life when I was a little kid. Who are the greatest people in history? What's the Sunday school answer? Jesus. Jesus is the greatest. Well, there are others who compete on some people's lists. Abraham Lincoln, Cleopatra, Billy Graham, Shakespeare, Aristotle, Walt Disney, Menno Simons, Caesar, Joan of Arc, Elvis Presley, and the list goes on and on. There are thousands of names that you could add to that list as well. Which is the greatest building on the earth? Well, how many of you have ever been to Cairo, Egypt, and just outside of town at Giza, there are the Great Pyramids? If you've ever seen them up close and personal, impressive, massive structures built about 25 to 2600 B.C. Cleopatra, one of the persons that I mentioned that may be considered a great person, um, she lived about 50 years prior to Jesus being born. And if you stop to realize, Cleopatra, living before Christ, lived closer to the time that man set foot on the moon than she did to the building of the pyramids in her country. Who's the greatest movie star? Who's the best Swebok maker? Who's the smartest? Who was the fastest on the school playground? Growing up, we used to uh, take great pride in, in trying to figure out who had the, the tractor with the most horsepower or the car that ran the fastest. We are obsessed as people with the most, the biggest, the best, the greatest. This morning in the time that we have together remaining, I want to focus our thoughts on what the gospel writer of Mark has to say about the greatest. Bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we sing music that reminds us 
of the greatness of your name and the greatness of your influence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for being with us. And this morning, as we now look into your word, we ask your nearness to us and your spirit to direct our thoughts. We pray this in your name. Amen. In the first half of Mark chapter 9, I'm going to switch from Mark 10 to Mark 9. We read the account of Jesus taking an evil spirit or driving an evil spirit out of a young boy. Jesus often attracted large crowds wherever he went. He was doing miracles and he was saying things that mystified and amazed everybody who listened to him. I want to pick up now in verse 30 of chapter 9. They left that place where he had driven out the evil spirit from the young boy and he passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they, the disciples, did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. There are four parts of that verse 31 that may have been difficult to understand. I don't know how much or how many times or in how many different ways Jesus had tried to share that story uh, with his disciples. So let's look at that verse one more time. What is confusing, or what did they not understand? Is it the fact that perhaps they still couldn't grapple with the Son of Man? Did they not know that Jesus was that person? Or was it the fact that this Son of Man would be betrayed into the hands of men? Or didn't they understand this, that that he would be killed? Or perhaps that after three days he will rise again from the dead. Now just what of that, or maybe it was all of the parts put together that was hard for them to understand. Jesus knew that his time was short, and his highest priority was to teach his disciples the ways of his Father. He wanted their undivided attention, but was often frustrated that they didn't understand what he was saying to them. They were afraid to ask what he meant. Well, I'm probably not alone to admit that sometimes I don't get the punchline of jokes. And sometimes when given an assignment, I may not fully understand what is being expected. Any of you ever have questions like that, or did you always ask for clarification? I don't know if I'm alone. Anyway, the first point is, Fear prevents us from seeking greater understanding. We are embarrassed. We don't want to be ridiculed. We certainly don't want to be laughed at if we are considered not to be understanding. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. To to overcome the fear... We must embrace the cross of Jesus through faith. Don't fear the cross. Embrace it. Greatness begins there at the foot of the cross. The cross that eliminates our need to be at the top of the pecking order. I suspect that some of you or many of you grew chicks or chickens when you were young. You know from watching those chickens that there was a pecking order that developed, and it probably didn't take very long. How many can resonate with that? How many of you ever watched chickens grow and had pecking orders? Well, you know that if you had 10 chicks, number 10 didn't fare very well. Well, reading on in verses 33 to 35, the question about who is the greatest is addressed or raised. As they're going along, Jesus and his disciples came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. 
I think we all have goals and aspirations in life. If we have aspirations that are truly great in the spiritual realm, if we truly want to be first, then we must learn to be the very last, to be those that are humble, to be those that serve. Point number two, then, is put on the heart of a servant. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. We have numerous examples in the Bibles, uh, in the Bible, not just the disciples. There were guests at banquets. There were rich young rulers. There were the Pharisees. There are many other accounts of people who thought they were or should have been at the top of the invitation lists. Someone with a servant's heart is willing to serve anyone at any time. I see that modeled by numerous students at Tabor. Don't try to get students to help you out at an event on Friday night because too often I get turned down because these students are ministering in Wichita with inner-city youth. The measure of true greatness is not in how many people serve us, but how many people we actually serve. I want to thank, in this church, the Sunday school and the VBS teachers. I want to thank the youth sponsors, those of you who mentored me through the years. I think particularly of Andy Noctical and Mrs. J.T. Queering and others, often teaching but always encouraging me. Verses 36 and 37. Jesus took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So verse 37 again says, Whoever welcomes one of these little ones, of these little children in my name, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Point number three, welcome those who are different. That message is needed as much today as it was when Jesus spoke those words. How many differences around us can we name? How many are we, how many times do we judge or make distinctions? How many barriers do we try to build? How many times would we rather be right than accepting others? In this age of political correctness, we should be more welcoming as Jesus taught. Romans 15:7 says, "Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God." There is no substitute for kindness. Yesterday at those baseball games in Dallas, Texas, one of my staff persons was there at the at the games and they were serving a meal to the players and the parents and uh, several alumni from the Dallas area who were gathered. But before the game yesterday morning, <coughs> excuse me, the game yesterday morning, the staff person was in the hotel lobby, and a gentleman came up to him, and he noticed the Tabor logo on his shirt, and he came up and said, I'd like to talk with you. And of course, my staff person kind of went back and slunk down a little bit. He thought, oh no, what went wrong now? And the person went on to say that he noticed that four Tabor baseball team members had been on one of the floors of the hotel and had helped an elderly person who was not able to get into their hotel room. And this person was amazed at the kindness that those players exhibited. And he said to them, I wished that my children had gone to Tabor. There is no sin in kindness. Reading then and continuing to read verses 38 to 42, Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone around his neck. 
do good to those who love you, even more so to those who persecute you. Protect the young ones. I think this can be applied to not only younger age children, but also to newer Christians. We have a big responsibility to not only save, but to nurture each other into maturity in Christ. Point number four this morning then is care for one another in love. And then there are some difficult words as we read to the end of the text this morning, verses 43 to 50. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Unfortunately, we aren't literalists today, but this, these were the words. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Now these are the words that you can ask Pastor Luke about when he comes back. Thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. I do not know where the worm comes from, but ask Pastor Luke. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at at peace with one another. The fifth and final point is pursue holiness at all costs. Salt is good. Each of us is salty. We comfort, we encourage, we inspire, we care, all of that for each other in the name of Christ. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. We each do have salt in us. God has given us his spirit to pursue holiness. I pray that we remain salty, that sharing a testimony of Christ that tastes so good that it creates a desire for more, both within us and with those that we come in contact with. The disciples fell into arguing about who is the greatest. But it doesn't matter who is on Christ's right hand or his left to be great in God's eyes. We have looked this morning at being fearless for Christ. Fear prevents us from seek fear prevents us from seeking greater understanding. Face your fears, defeat Satan at work. Number 2, put on the heart of a servant. The heart of a true servant is about how people how many people we serve. Number 3, welcome those who are different. Break down the barriers that divide us. Four, care for one another in love. And this will often require sacrifices of us. And finally, pursue holiness at all cost. Christ's spirit lives in us. Allow the spirit to shine through us to the world and forever to be salty. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you for your words to us. We confess that like your apostles, we aspire to be great in your kingdom. As your word teaches us, Lord, it is not because of us that we become great, but it's what we do in your name for your Father that makes us truly great in your kingdom. So, Lord, we thank you for sharing these words, for convicting us, for giving us courage to go forward. We pray that we will never lose our saltiness. Send us from this place, blessed to do your work and to carry out your will, for we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Let's sing our closing song as we dedicate our lives to God.
Self and I.